you will have to depend on the pens for the rest of your life. I appreciate your concern, Deborah McMichael. You look just terrific tonight. He's beating a man with a rubber shot. An inflatable rubber shot. Straight OG brother, is that what you're saying? Well, let me in a, a humble moment give you a capsule synopsis. synopsis. This show's about as interesting as my shot reading excerpts from my car. I am not laying back even a little bit. That very graphic footage has got to stimulate these men. You don't want an opening slap this? A cockroach in my apple pie. Do a little dance, make a little love, and get down tonight. Look at the damage it does to the big fat beast well in the ring. WWWCW, but somewhere else. Tough guy. I'm going to hurt the man that did this to me. You can stick it. Hello, Nitromaniacs, and welcome to the Nitromania podcast. My name is Adam. I am your host, and this is the show where if we promise two huge main events, we will not deliver on either of them. This is episode 50, can you believe it, of Nitromania, meaning that finally there is one episode for every state in this great country, making this, I believe, the official episode of Hawaii. Also, keep in mind that if we ever try to return to an episode before this one, this whole goddamn podcast will be blown to smithereens. Last week on the show, the main event was set for Fall Brawl on September 15th. This year's War Games, The Match Beyond, will pit Team WCW, Sting, Luger, Flair, and Anderson against the NWO, Hogan, Nash, Hall, and Question Mark. Or, as they tried to spin it last week, do they even have a fourth man? Of course they have a fourth man. They've already told you they have a fourth man. It was in the note, in the valise, that Sting and Luger took out of the limo at uh, MGM the week before. Hogwild? Sure, Hogwild. Anyway. Plus, even if they didn't have a fourth man, last week you gave them an entire month, basically, to go and find one. So, good work, dipshits. Anyway. It is Monday, August 26th, 1996, and we are live from the Manatee Civic Center in Palmetto, Florida. The Wikipedia page for the Manatee Civic Center is surprisingly brief, saying only Bradenton Area Convention Center, formerly Manatee Civic Center, is a 4,000-seat multi-purpose arena and convention center in Palmetto, Florida. It was home to the Florida Stingers of the Continental Basketball Association and Florida Scorpions of the American Professional Football League. It also hosted UWS first and only live pay-per-view event, Beach Brawl, on June 9, 1991. This episode of Nitro is, I swear to God, the last televised wrestling event from this arena until a lucha show in 2015 prior to this episode of nitro was the aforementioned beach brawl and a three episode taping session of monday night raw in 1995 coming off the 95 royal rumble raw episode 96 featured the smoking guns taking the wwf tag titles off of the one two three kid and bob holly and was main evented by the british bulldog and the black phantom Raw 97 saw the Guns retain their tag titles in the rematch and was main evented by Kama and Jumbo Beretta. And Raw 98 saw the Million Dollar Corporation, IRS, King Kong Bundy, and Tatanka defeat the team of Lex Luger. Wow! Whoa, getting that out of the way early this week. And Men on a Mission. That episode was main evented by Henry O'Godwin and Bill Weaver. This episode has the lowest cage match score of the three at a pathetic 2.8. The live episode on January 23rd scored the highest at a 4.88, and it was all downhill from there. 
All right. Back to 1996. Palmetto, Florida is, as far as I can tell, famous for absolutely nothing. Now, it's been a month and a half, basically, since Hogan turned heel and ditched the red and yellow. And yet, he's still in the opening video, the same as he's always been. We start the show with the bell ringing. Tony welcomes us, and then the bell rings again as we start right in with your opening contest. Billy Kidman, emphasis on kid, against the debuting Juventud Guerrera. Starting off unsurprisingly fast-paced, Kidman gets the first near fall with a nice power slam into the ropes. Kidman hits a flying clothesline that sends both men over the top rope and to the floor, resulting in a double disqualification. Of course not. They fight on the floor and Juvie hits Hoovy, whatever the, whatever the fuck, hits this kind of awkward-looking powerbomb from the ring to the floor. He then hits a diving leg drop, a pescato to a leg drop, clarifies Tony. Springboard corkscrew dive in the ring gets a two count for Hoovy as Tony reminds us that Conan has turned heel. Guerrera tries another springboard but gets caught in a powerbomb for two. Slammed by Kidman and a springboard leg drop from the apron into the ring gets a two count. Tony announces that Juventud will take on Conan for the oh-so-prestigious Mexican heavyweight championship at Fall Brawl. A shooting star pressed by Kidman only gets a two count, surprisingly enough, so Kidman goes back up top. He gets caught, and Hoovy hits a Hurricane Rana off the top for three. No one tell Mysterio that Juventud just stole his move. Guerrero yells into the camera as we cut away to a crowd shot. Kidman, who was 22 at this point, looks about 14. Mean Gene... Pull up your socks and get ready. ...is in the ring with Juventud. This should go well. Uh, Gene gives us, uh, well... Here, just just listen. Keep in mind as you listen to this that Hoovy's mask has slid about an inch down his face, so as he speaks, he's basically chewing on it. You know about the injury to psychosis. Now you're going to be facing Conan, and I know you're not real adept in English, but let's try it. Uh, I don't uh, uh, no comprende espanol, amigo, but uh, you go right ahead. You have uh, Conan and a shot at that Mexican title. That's right. That's right. Psychosis, Nestaki, because Conan broken to brazo. Pero yo estoy aquí para demostrarles que soy el mejor luchador de México. Y ahorita se los demostré. Y próximamente. Are you getting a little, uh, no, no, no. I am the best wrestler Mexican. All right, uh, obviously he has a very, uh, yes. but I want to tell you one more thing. What, one more thing. In Mexico, all the people know the organization New World Order. And all Mexico, and all Mexico is scared. I'm scared, but they'll have to. You're going to have to give it a rest, pal. You can take this up with uh, somebody else. I'm, I'm sorry I have a tough time. Tony, let's take it back to you, pal. Yikes. Great journalism, Gene. We go to break and get a new Glacier promo. Still, no date. Back to the arena, and we go to Tony and Larry at ringside. Larry is wearing one of the ugliest shirts I have ever seen. Tony recaps the main event from last week, Sting demanding that Flair and Anderson team with him and Luger at Fall Brawl in War Games, the match beyond. We then go to footage from last week. Your next match is a tag team affair. First, the bizarre team of Marcus Bagwell and Jim Powers. David Penzer tells us that this team is accompanied by, quote, the injured Scotty Riggs, unquote, who is nowhere to be found, and the godfather, Teddy Long. Godfather of what, David? 
Thankfully, they come out to the American Males theme song. Their opponents are the Taskmaster and Big Bubba. Bubba is wearing a Monday Nitro Crew t-shirt for no apparent reason. Sullivan starts with Powers before the bell. They end up outside very quickly where Powers fights back before throwing Sullivan back into the ring. Across and a back body drop by Powers. Another whip and a drop kick. Bubba comes in, gets a drop kick from Bagwell. Then the heels take advantage in the corners. They try to whip, but Bagwell leapfrogs and they send the dungeon to the floor. Powers tags Bagwell in as Tony points out that Nick Patrick and his evil goatee is the referee for this match. Bagwell gets the advantage on Bubba. They botch a spot and so immediately repeat it. Bubba puts Bagwell in the Tree of Woe and tags in Sullivan, who charges into Bagwell and then tags back out. Apparently that's his signature maneuver. Bubba pulls Bagwell to the center of the ring and hits one of the laziest-looking shoulder blocks I have ever seen. Powers tags in and goes to town on Bubba. Sullivan comes in and suffers the same fate. Jimmy Hart tries to help, so Powers slams his face into the turnbuckle repeatedly for good measure. Powers hits a crossbody on Bubba and pins him for three. Bubba kicks out at three and a quarter, so Nick Patrick restarts the match without telling Powers and Bagwell. Bubba hits a sidewalk slam on Powers and pins him for three. Patrick and Teddy Long argue in the aisle as we go to replays. This is getting painful. Gene is in the ring with the dungeon. Bubba says he should be getting all the title shots, all the main events, and he won't be overlooked anymore. Bubba then calls out Glacier because he hasn't shown up yet. Jimmy Hart then yells at Glacier. Kevin Sullivan then reminds us that he was right about Hogan all along. And this interesting piece of possibly unintentional foreshadowing happens. I gotta ask you something, Gene. I saw you out in a boat in Sarasota with Hogan a week ago. That wasn't me. That was Eric Bischoff. I know Eric Bischoff, and you're no Eric Bischoff. Did the guy have hair? Yeah, the guy had a bald head. It was you. Good cover, Kevin. He then continues to yell about the Four Horsemen and Chris Benoit. Gene asks him if he bribed Nick Patrick, and Kevin says everyone is entitled to make mistakes. We go to break. I'm pro wrestler the Kingpin Brian Malonis. And I'm referee Mike Crockett from the wrestling podcast about nothing. I spent most of my weekends half naked in front of throngs of people at VFW halls and Elks Lodges. And I've watched. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Every week, listen to us tear down the curtain and tear down each other in the process. It's the WPAN. Nothing more, nothing less. New episodes Mondays on your favorite podcast app or on our website, thewpan.com. When we come back, Gene is in the locker room now with Luger and Sting. Gene asks Lex about the match tonight between the two of them and Mongo and Benoit. Lex says, and I quote, We're in the frame of mind to kick some behind. I swear to God. Here, listen. Listen to him say that. Just Stinger, we thought we had things straightened out with the horse from last week. A new twist. Benoit, McMichaels, you want to gut check the Stinger and I? You want to challenge us? Well, we've accepted the challenge right here on Nitro on national TV. I couldn't think of a better place because we are in the frame of mind that kicks them behind. If you want some of us, come and get it. Good work, Bubba. You think of that yourself? Sting then yells about not getting why the horsemen would challenge them tonight. Gene asks Lex about the NWO and he gives a meaningless response. Seriously, though, how does every arena in the country have the same gray walls and lockers backstage? Seriously. Back to the arena where Tony complains about Hogan while Mike Enos enters. He's an Enos. His opponent tonight is Chavo Guerrero Jr. Chavo starts on offense as Tony tells us that Macho Man, who was promised the first title match after Hog Wild, which went to Ric Flair at Clash of the Champions, if you remember last week, 
will face the giant at Fall Brawl. Meanwhile, Enos and Chavo brawl on the outside. Enos hoists Chavo over his shoulder and carries him up to the apron, dumping him over the top rope into the ring. Tony then tells us that Halloween Havoc tickets go on sale this weekend. We're shown Conan in the crowd as I notice that Dick Slater is standing at ringside with a towel over his head. He was not announced as accompanying Mike Enos for this match, and I have no idea where he came from. Chavo locks Enos in the figure four, and Randerson gets hit in the face, allowing Slater to enter the ring and elbow drop Chavo. Slater and Enos then pull twin magic, despite them not looking anything alike. Slater tries to put Chavo in a figure four, and he gets small packaged for three. That was fucking stupid. Gene is with Chavo in the aisle. He screams at Diamond Dallas Page. Chavo says that he will teach DDP to lose with respect. They're fighting again at Fall Brawl. Gene then sends us to break. Mean Gene and Heenan, during the break, sell us a Monday Nitro t-shirt for 20 bucks. Please go watch this. Please. This Saturday, Luger versus Regal for the TV title. Remember the TV title? And the Steiners versus the Nasty Boys. The no longer Mr. JL enters. He will be facing the returning Loch Ness. No, I'm sorry. It's Rey Mysterio. I just got confused by the theme song. Is that not one of the more bizarre things that WCW did? Not just recycling theme songs, but this one specifically from the earthball sized Loch Ness to pubescent Mexican Rey Mysterio. Just think, just, just picture that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <sighs> we are informed by Tony that Hulk Hogan is outside. We are then taken outside, so fuck this match, I guess. Hogan spray paints NWO on the side of the Turner production truck. Hall adds a four, and Nash adds life. It's a team effort, you guys. It's a team effort. Tony promises us that they will be billed for cleaning up that graffiti, I swear to God, as we go back to the ring. Tony states definitively that there's no fourth man dumbass and we go back to the truck for some more graffiti hogan says that'll wake him up sure it will all right and tony sends us to break back from break and this match is still happening suddenly dean malenko is standing at the top of the aisle just watching always watching i don't know if it's the fact that commentary is not talking about this match at all but it's really not holding my attention Tony and Larry are busy talking about war games and the NWO and the title and the spray paint. In the background, a small child entertains themselves by jumping up and down the aisle steps. Uh, Tony half-heartedly tells us that the fans are wowed by the moves in this match, and suddenly it's a cruiserweight title match. I don't think that's been mentioned before. JL locks Mysterio in a Boston Crab, then transitions to a single-leg Boston Crab for some reason, then just some kind of stretch. Tony tells us all the stars are coming to WCW, then says, we do not have our world champs spray paint someone's video truck, despite the fact that that's exactly what happened five minutes ago. You will watch, you commented on it. Is he trying to say that Hogan actually did take the WCW World Heavyweight Championship and make it the NWO World Heavyweight Championship? Because if that's the case, just introduce a new fucking belt and quit bitching. If it's not your title, then make a new title. Seems straightforward enough. Anyway, we get Dynamite, Meaningless Pyro, and this match is still going on as we spend more time with the camera not at all pointed to the ring for this title match. <sighs> Bischoff actually seems excited about this match and actually talks about it. 
JL's bodysuit shirt has a split almost completely up the left side from waist to armpit. Rey Mysterio hits an awkward Hurricane Rana and pins JL to retain his title. Gene is backstage with Mongo, Benoit, and the women. Gene tells us about the hotline, and Mongo gives him shit for it. Mongo explains that they challenged Sting and Luger to prove that they should be the ones backing up Flair and Anderson. Gene tells woman to stop fondling him, and Benoit also says tonight is basically about proving themselves. Gene sends us to break. Do you like scary movies? You have been invited to the slasher sanitarium come join us as we talk about horror movies horror fiction and horror television subscribe now to the slasher sanitarium new episodes coming soon we come back to the desk bischoff states that macho will take on hogan for the title at halloween havoc calling him the first to get the opportunity to take the title from him Again, Flair faced Hogan at Clash of Champions like 10 days ago. We then go back to last week's promo from Macho and then last week's brawl between Giant and Macho. We then go back to Gene in the locker room. Gene is with Macho. They were both watching those replays, apparently. Macho promises that the Halloween Havoc match will be the scariest match of the century. Then this happened, which made me laugh. Because nobody cares. I don't care. You don't care. Nobody cares. So let it happen. Understand what I'm saying? Well, I, I do care. I, I really do. I don't care if you care. And also this. All right, the Randy Savage, do you have an extra chair? Enough of that. Just in case you missed that, because... That horrible theme song for that horrible wrestler was playing. Uh, Gene asked Macho Man there at the end if he had an extra chair, to which Macho Man yelled from afar off camera, I have 72 extra chairs. It it made me laugh. Back to the ring for... Fuck. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, good. He's facing the giant. We're back from break for that match. Duggan starts a USA chant because that's all he's got. Duggan starts us off by chasing Jimmy Hart. This match lasts far too long in that it doesn't end immediately. Giant eventually puts Hacksaw in a bear hug, which Duggan fights out of. Duggan tries to body slam the Giant because he is a moron. All of a sudden, coming through the crowd, is Ted DiBiase. Giant slams Duggan in the ring, then misses an elbow drop. The crowd no longer cares. Duggan tapes his fist and punches the giant, and it does nothing. He does it again, and it does nothing. He and Jimmy fight over the 2x4. Giant choke slams Duggan, and the match is over. Thankfully, DiBiase is sitting in the crowd. He slowly counts to four on his fingers, then says, next week, inaudible to us, but he obviously said it, and raises his thumb. Bischoff asks if that's a threat or a warning then postulates that maybe he's the fifth horseman. You know that famous group, the Five Horsemen? <sighs> Gene is in the aisle with the giant. Giant yells at Macho Man and accuses him of not showing up at Hogwild because he was scared. Wasn't he banned from Hogwild? That's why he has the title shot at... I fucking give up. Gene attempts to wipe off the camera lens and sends us to break. We get a fall brawl commercial, and now it's time for... Th oh, honestly... <sighs> 
The Rock and Roll Express versus Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Why does this keep happening? Bischoff again asks the stupid question about DiBiase being the fifth horseman. Suddenly, Bischoff has the horrible realization that DiBiase could be the fourth NWO member, and next week there'll be a fifth. What? Anyway, this match happens. The horseman wins. Who fucking cares? It turns out in my research during this match that Arn Anderson, Ricky Morton, and Robert Gibson are all a lot younger than I thought they were. Like, ten years younger than I thought they were. I thought they were all, like, Ric Flair's age, but Flair is the oldest guy in the match. He's 47 on this episode, and the other three are all in their late 30s. And that makes me feel really old watching this now, because I'm in my late 30s now. Anyway... Gene is with them again. He get, again chides woman for molesting him. He asks Anderson about war games. We get a shot of DiBiase as Anderson talks. Anderson promises that war games will kill the NWO. Flair then screams that Hogan submitted at Clash of the Champions, and he should be the champion. He then reminds us that war games is in Flair country. Gene sends us to break, and we go there with one more shot of Ted DiBiase. Same Glacier vignette as before, back to the arena for one of the moments I have been waiting for with bated breath since I started this podcast 50 episodes ago. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the debut of Chris Jericho. Sadly, as we are all aware, Hooventude has already wrestled tonight, so Jericho is debuting against Alex Wright. We start with a handshake of all things, Code of Honor. And they lock up. Jericho gets back to the ropes and we get a clean break into a headlock, a push off and right goes down with a shoulder block. We get some flippy shit and then a standoff following a double drop kick. Hammerlock gets reversed by Jericho and Wright gets driven to the mat. Bischoff then reminds us that Bubba complained about Glacier earlier because that needed to be touched on apparently. Jericho hits the springboard drop kick and Bischoff calls it an inverted drop kick. What exactly is an inverted drop kick? Jericho goes up top but meets a dropkick, regular style, on his way down. Wright gets a two off of this, then hits a couple European uppercuts, then misses a charging elbow in the corner. Jericho sends him across and hits a running clothesline back across, and Wright avoids a charge, which sends Jericho over the top into the cameraman and to the floor. Jericho then avoids a dive from Wright and sends him face first into the guardrail on the way down. Jericho tells Randy Eller that he doesn't want to win that way. So Randy Eller declares the match a no contest, and Jericho goes out to check on Wright. Gino is with both men. Chris Jericho, what you've just done here in front of a national television audience, I must say, your first appearance at World Championship Wrestling, and it was a breath of fresh air. Me, Gene, when I came to World Championship Wrestling, I came here to fight to the best of my ability and to accept a victory over this man like that. He's not the best of my ability. I have a lot of respect for Alex Wright, and I wasn't going to take him out like that. But there's somebody who might have taken a victory like that, someone I used to admire, and that would be Hulk Hogan and the rest of the NWO. And I tell you, that me and Alex are going to fight with all our hearts for WCW! Thank you very much. Uh, we are out of time, Alex. Maybe you can just get back to the locker room and, and try to get your wits together. We've got more Nitro when we come back here on TSP. Fucking really? His first night in the company and you make him go all poochy on us? Also, I enjoyed Gene basically saying, fuck you, Alex, no one wants to hear what you think at the end there. 
Back from break, and it's a tag match. Both teams already in the ring. The Steiners are taking on the Blue Bloods, Taylor and Eaton. The Blue Bloods argue about who's going to start. They argue until Rick comes out and bashes their heads together. Earl Robert Eaton decides to start the match. He immediately shoves Dave Taylor off the apron. Eaton gets hip-tossed out of the corner by Rick, so he rakes the eyes out of a lockup. Rick catches Eaton with an overhead throw and then just beats them both up. They continue to argue on the outside of the ring. Back in the ring, Taylor gets punched by Rick. Eaton holds Rick's arm, but Rick ducks the strike. They then go for some sort of doomsday device-like maneuver, but Steiner counters it somehow and pins Eaton for three. Awkward as hell. I watched it three times, and I'm still... Not exactly sure what was supposed to happen there. Taylor then attacks Eaton in the ring. Eaton fights back. Gene is supposed to be interviewing the Steiners, so he does so while the fight happens, and they just talk about the fight. How fucking weird. Eventually, they drag each other to the back, and Gene gets to have his regular interview. Enjoy this typically bizarre Steiner Brothers promo. At Fall Brawl of the War Games, you're going to be facing the Harlem Heat for the WCW Tag Team titles. I don't think you're going to see that kind of misdirection, Rick. You know, gee, being a dog, I like to prey on my opponents. You see, in the dog pond, used to be hard times. Will you boys get the Halloween havoc? I'm going to be Peter Peter, the pumpkin eater, and it's going to be my party. Ricky's not Halloween, it's Fall Brawl, you know, mean Gene, before the hands in the pen, you go, ha-cock-a-doodle-doo, mean the dog face to a gremlin, or training, Halloween, when we get to Fall Brawl, my brother and I are going to get radical, and you are going down. Thank you very much, Where you go, Gene? Thank you very much, Lord Nightville, you're on TNT, don't go away. There, there are no words. Hello, Questionable Endeavor Network listener. If you're a current or former fan of wrestling, you should check out the Raw Attitude Podcast, hosted by me, retired professional wrestler Henry Hugepex, the suplex-throwing human duplex. On the show, I chronologically recap episodes of WWE Monday Night Raw from the Attitude Era, a time period where wrestling became more violent, more profane, and more sexual simply because, well... That's what we the fans demanded from the product in the late 1990s. Listen along with me as I revisit the crazy antics of The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Vince McMahon, The Undertaker, Mick Foley, and many more of your childhood favorites. You can subscribe to the Raw Attitude Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or you can listen to each new episode on the Questionable Endeavor Network website, questandnetwork.com. That's the Raw Attitude Podcast, hosted by me, Henry Hugepex, the suplex-throwing human duplex. Oh, baby, I like it raw, and I know that you will, too. Back from break and back to the desk, they talk about our main event, which is coming up momentarily. Bischoff still insists that DiBiase is the fifth horseman. Dumbass. Benoit, Mongo, and the women enter to Benoit's theme song. This starts off as just a brawl or a tornado tag. You choose. It eventually settles into a typical tag match. Sadly, we start with Mongo and Luger. Benoit comes in. We get an Irish whip, a duck, and a double clothesline. Luger makes a shitty-looking hot tag, and Sting comes in. Outside the ring, Mongo throws Luger into the post. Inside the ring, Benoit gets the knees up on a top rope splash from Sting, but Sting avoids the diving concussion maker. Then Hogan shows up, and it all goes to hell. 
Mongo stalks Hogan around the ring until Hall blindsides Mongo and Nash shows up. They throw Mongo into the ring post and Hogan paints NWO on his back. And as yet unnamed Outsider's Edge for Benoit and he gets spray painted. Sting gets jackknifed and spray painted. Anderson and Flair appear. Luger didn't get painted, by the way. Hogan blinds Flair with the paint and then paints his hair. The NWO celebrates in the ring as the fans throw trash. Nash begins to entertain himself by swatting flying debris from the air. Flair crawls back into the ring as the NWO leaves. Bischoff leaves commentary as they approach. Heenan left as soon as Hogan appeared. They take over commentary as Hogan sprays NWO all over the Nitro placard on the front of the desk. We get one more slow-motion replay of Ted DiBiase counting to five as we go off the air. This episode of Nitro wasn't half bad. As always, there are a couple of clunkers match-wise. Looking at you, Bubba. Looking at you, Hacksaw. But there was some decent cruiserweight action. We had Jericho's debut, which was all right, and the fuck finish of the main event went really, really well, I think. This is what people remember the NWO for, I think. The chaos they created. Not that they wouldn't show up for weeks on end, but that when they did show up, you had no idea what was about to happen. Uh, and they played it well, too. Earlier in the match, Bischoff, I think it was, made some offhand comment about how they defaced the production truck and then had probably just left because they're cowards. And then, boom, all hell breaks loose and they show up and beat the crap out of everybody. Well, almost everybody. Did I mention, can I mention one more time that Luger just seemed to disappear once Hogan showed up? Uh, didn't get attacked, didn't get spray painted, didn't try to make the save, just up and fucking vanished. If you go back and watch anything tonight, I would suggest the opening contest between Hooventude and Kidman or Jericho's debut, if you don't mind the stupid finish. Over on Cage Match, the show has a stunning 5.22 out of 10 and pulled in a whopping 4.2 TV rating. Not sure we've seen anything that high at this point. They didn't announce anything specific last week that would happen this week. I'm guessing people were just anticipating the NWO's response to the War Games Challenge and decided to tune in. Given that next week is number 5, I bet they put up some good numbers there as well. Before we move on to Raw, we do have some business to attend to this week. Tonight was the last Nitro or pay-per-view appearance for match-wise for Earl Robert Eaton. The Earl has one more match as nobility on an episode of Saturday Night, defeating Squire David Taylor and putting the nail in the coffin of the Blue Bloods. The Blue Bloods as a whole have not accomplished much during the last 51 weeks or so of Monday Nitro, so... Sorry, Bobby. I'm going to have to dumpster you. Meanwhile, over on the USA Network, there was no episode of Monday Night Raw, thanks to the U.S. Open, so, yeah. Next week was Raw Championship Friday, thanks to tennis, but we'll cover that next week. Uh, elsewhere, on August 26th, 1996, Petey Williams turned 15 years old, and that's about it. So... We'll end things there. If you want to send me feedback about the show, feedback about my decision to put old Robert Eaton in the garbage, or anything else, really, you can tweet me at NitromaniaPod on Twitter or email NitromaniaPod at gmail.com. N-I-T-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-P-O-D. NitromaniaPod on Twitter and at Gmail. If you want to see me live and in person, come on out to the one of the shows that I am working on September 15th. You can see me in Peabody, Mass. for Liberty States Wrestling. And then on September 22nd, you can see me in Beverly, Massachusetts, as Elkmania Promotions presents Aces Wild. And then from there, we are off to October. So there you go. If you want to hear me elsewhere in podcast form, check out the latest episode of the Three Way Theater podcast. 
three T H R E E way W A Y theater T H E A T E R I think. Uh, myself and the hosts of that show, JC, Mike P, and Lumber Jake, uh, reviewed uh, SummerSlam. Almost said WrestleMania. SummerSlam '92, uh, the famous SummerSlam emanating from Wembley Stadium in the United Kingdom in London. Uh, the SummerSlam you never thought you'd see. Uh, had a great time doing that podcast with those guys. Uh, recorded it right before the last Lucky Pro Wrestling show. And as we discuss in the episode, we finished recording the episode. And I literally ran back into the building uh, and to the locker room to change into the rest of my suit to ring announce the show immediately thereafter. But I had a great time recording that podcast with those guys. I urge you to check them out and subscribe to them on your uh, podcast platform of choice. Again, three-way theater. They discuss wrestling movies and wrestling movies uh and also sometimes wrestling events but i can't wait to do another one of those with them and i look forward to that you can also check me out on the next episode of wrestlemania salvation whenever that drops sal and i will be discussing wrestlemania x7 uh wrestlemania x versus seven so check that out as well right here on the rundown feed Check out all the shows on the Questionable Endeavor Network at questendnetwork.com. You'll be sure to find something that you like over there. If you like what we're doing here, please consider donating. You can make a one-time donation by going to paypal.me slash rundownwrestling, or you can sign up to be a monthly donor at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. Everything you donate goes right back into the show. Uh, and that wraps it up for this episode of Nitromania. Next week... We'll see about that number five, plus, I'm sure, a whole lot more. Uh, but that's next time, right here on Nitromania.